clap offering this morning. He is worthy of it. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Thank you guys and gals for leading us in worship. This is from Psalm 119. If you have your Bible and you might want to follow along. Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget your word. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we look into your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be near our hearts, that you would, that you would minister life through your word because we know your word is life, and we, we want to draw the life from it. I pray that you would be here with us today. Thank you for the obvious presence of your Holy Spirit here in this place today. We know that you're a good God and you delight to be in the midst of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanksgiving is coming. Facebook will be filled with all sorts of memes about what I'm thankful for. I notice that there are some people doing that. What is it called? 30 for 30 or thanks for 30 or something where every day somebody's posting something they're thankful for. It's good. It's good. The, the, the scriptures are filled with commandments and encouragement that we should be thankful. And uh, I know Pastor Brian's, uh, I just saw on the preaching schedule he set out, he's planning a, a Thanksgiving message to talk about our Thanksgiving and the things that we have a great deal to be thankful for, don't we? I often, I often listen to us complain, and we do complain a lot, be it if we're honest, and I, and I think if, if you only understood how much better we have it than so much of the world, you, you, would, you would be thankful every day you open your eyes. And I know, I know that our nation is in trouble right now. It's spiritual trouble. It's not political trouble. Our, our political problems are because we have, a, we, have, we have a spiritual problem in our nation, and yet we need to be careful to be thankful. So I was, I was praying. I have to tell you, you know, I was away last week. I was down in, in uh, Georgia visiting with Andrew and Hannah and the children, and, and I went over to visit my cousin. Uh, I have a cousin who's about six months younger than me and a whole lot better looking than me, but I went over to visit him, and uh, we had a good time. And then I drove down into North Florida and uh, preached with, at, a, at a church that I have a connection with down there in Jasper, Florida. It's not hard to find. Both city limit signs are on the same post. <laughs> and, uh, and you can just about spit across the county. But, but it's, uh, it's a beautiful place, wonderful church, and I had a great time. <clears throat> this week, after I got back, I, uh, 
I was in the office talking to Pastor Brian, and I said, you know, I got my phone out and was looking at my calendar, and I said, hey, when am I supposed to preach again? He said, Sunday. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> I already had something in my heart, but I just didn't have notes yet. But I want to talk today about the consequences of being unthankful. Before we focus on being thankful, I want to focus on the consequences of being ungrateful, of unthankful. The Bible has a lot to say about ungratefulness, about unthankfulness. As, 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 and I want to share with you, before I look into the specific scriptures from Psalm 119 that I read, I want to look at another passage of scripture for a minute, and I want, I want to show you something that I think is really, really important, and that is this. The starting point of the journey away from God is an ungrateful heart. The starting point of the journey away from God, out of fellowship with God, is an ungrateful heart. You know, uh, many of you have heard the word Eucharist. Or Eucharisto, it literally is what we do when we share communion together. But a lot of us don't really understand what that word means. I bet David could tell me, what does it mean in Spanish, David? I can't tell you in Spanish, but I can tell you what the Greek word for thank you is. What? Eucharisto. <laughs> that word, it means to be thankful or to give thanks. And so every time... We stand down here and these men come and they bring those elements that we celebrate together, the, the, uh, uh, the Lord's table. It is an opportunity to say thank you, to thank the Lord particularly for the work that he has done for us in providing a way that we could be delivered from the consequences of our sin, that we could be washed and cleansed from our sin. Uh, it is, and, and, and communion and that thanksgiving is a, is a, is a very personal thing. You know, we, we always quote John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him <clears throat> would not perish but have everlasting life. But that is an immensely personal word. God loved you. So much that he gave his life in payment for your sins. And by the way, the wages, the payment for sin is death. He came and paved the way. I want to read a passage of scripture from the book of Romans. And I want to show you some things in it. First, it's the book of Romans chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 18. And I was sure I picked up my Bible with the big print in it this morning, and I did not. So <laughs> I'm going to tilt my head funny and read starting in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Notice it doesn't say they don't know the truth. It just says they suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. 
For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So when we see Paul say they failed to honor God and they failed to give thanks to him, then we begin to see a dissension. We begin to see a progressive corruption of the race. We go on. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. Why did he give them up? They became unthankful. They ceased to be thankful for what he had done for them. They ceased to acknowledge him as God, and they no longer were thankful for what God had done. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, what's the reason again? They failed to honor him and they became ungrateful or were no longer thankful. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a reprobate or a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Imagine that. All of that grew out of a root of an ungrateful heart. When mankind began to acknowledge or ceased to acknowledge that God was God, and they became, they became fruitless, futile, mean, angry, insolent, disobedient, perverted, all of that flowed out of an ungrateful heart. Let me show you something here. In the first section of this, verses uh, 18, I guess it is, through 23, we see men turn to idolatry. For the end of that section says, they claimed to be wise but came fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God uh, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The first thing, listen, you and I are created to worship. You and I are created to worship. That's built into us. And if we will not worship God, we will find something that we can control to worship. 
and all of the things that, that men worship are, is really God made in their own image. And the first step away from God into idolatry is an unthankful heart. To no longer be thankful for the blessings that God has given us. We start in verse 24. And he talks about, Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity and to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served creatures rather than the Creator who, uh, who, uh, who is blessed forever. And for this reason, God gave them up to sexual perversion. As they move away from God, they move away from the design that God gave us. We move away from, from the, the order of life that God placed around us so that man might be prosperous, that he might grow, that he might fill the earth, that he might glorify God. We begin to turn away, and everything man... You know, you know uh, if you look at the days in the days of Noah, we've heard about that a lot lately. It talks about in the day of Noah, the earth was utterly filled with violence and with evil. So that God repented that he had even created the earth. And verse 28 says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. I'm not going to read all of those things again. But uh, I want to read the end of it. Though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And so what we see is a, is a movement away from God, the one that we were designed to live in fellowship and communion with. And first, when we are unthankful, we turn to idolatry. We begin to worship creatures rather than the Creator. I said in a, in a meeting not too long ago, someone said, well, America is no longer a religious nation. Yes, we are. We're very religious. The problem is our religion is the, is the environment and our God are trees and birds and rivers. And then from that, we move to perversion. A perversion of what we ought to be, what we ought to do, the things we love, the things we embrace. And finally, we end up as hard hearted rebellion, uh, rebels against God, and we become cold-hearted, vicious, murderous, evil, slanderous, violent. And as we saw Adam and Eve turn away from the command of God, we have watched through history and even now on our television screen as the hard-heartedness of this, this world and the creatures in this world becomes. That begins when we have an unthankful heart. You know, um, in the book of Hebrews, I want to read one more scripture for you. In the book of Hebrews chapter 1, or I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, listen to this. This is a warning for God's people. He says, therefore, as the, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice... 
Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. If you read carefully the history of the Hebrew people, the primary complaint that God had about them in the wilderness was their murmuring and complaining. It followed them through the wilderness. They, were, they, they couldn't remember that God came into Egypt and delivered out of slavery. They couldn't seem to remember that God had parted the Red Sea after he had prevented the death angel from entering in their home. They couldn't remember that God had brought water from a rock and bread from the, from the sky, that God had delivered them from their enemies. They forgot all of that, and every time something bad or uncomfortable or discouraging happened, they said, oh, let's just go back to Egypt. You brought us out here to die. We got nothing to eat. We don't like this bread. We don't like this meat. We don't... Murmuring and complaining about what God had done for them. Do you know where murmuring and complaining comes from? An unthankful heart. An unthankful heart. And so this morning, as we move into... The Thanksgiving season, where we're going to be talking a lot about giving thanks and being thanks. And I, I just want to, I want to take a few minutes this morning and give us some basic concepts on how to guard our heart. To guard our hearts. The Bible talks about the heart as the center of all things human, all of our desires, all of our thoughts, all of our emotions. It's, it's what makes us human. The Bible refers to heart all the time. And you know, I think you're, 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 you're sharp enough to know that when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about that pump in your chest. Okay. I just want you to understand, when the Bible talks about the heart, it talks about that, that center of our humanity, that seat of our emotions and our thoughts and our desires. And guarding your heart comes up a lot in the scriptures. And it can be a difficult task because there's so many things that come into our life every day, many obstacles, many things that tempt, distract, discourage uh, and, and, and turn us away from following God and following God's will for our life. And what I want to do this morning is just give you some simple keys to guarding your heart so you can pursue God's plan for your life. The heart is where we make our choices. And we make good choices. Amen? How many's ever, anybody's ever made a good choice? You can say, I made some good choices in my life. All right. How many of you can say, and occasionally, I bought the car my wife told me not to buy. I made some bad choices. Our lives, are they not? Are the result, they're the sum, they're the consequences, they're results of our choices, of the decisions that we have made. So, <clears throat> when we talk about Spiritual declutter, negative thoughts, how to renew our minds. You know, the scriptures tell us to not be conformed to this world, 
but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To be transformed by the renewing of your minds. It, it really comes down to this. It comes down to learning how to guard our hearts and to keep our hearts from these sinful and spiritual behaviors. We need the armor of God around our heart and, and our mind to protect us, to protect our center. So I want to break it down into some easy understanding meanings of the heart, the definition of the heart. What does guard your heart mean in the Bible? It, it sometimes can be a little bit difficult. It's a concept we can't really see. When the Bible refers to the heart, it's showing us that the heart is the seed of three elements. The heart is the seed of our mind, our thoughts. The Word of God says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Do you realize that our sins don't begin with our hands or our organs? But our sin begins with our heart, our mind. That's why Jesus said when he was dealing with the, with the, uh, with the Pharisees, he says, Moses said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, if a man lusts after a woman, thinks about a woman, lusts after her, and it goes on, he's already committed adultery. Because the adultery is in the heart, not the actions. It's also the seat of our emotions. And it's the seat of our will or our intentions. So this morning what I want to do is I want to reread that scripture from Psalm 119. And then I want to give us six or seven quick things that we need to do that will help us to guard our hearts. If you're a note taker, you might want to write these things down. Here's Psalm 119 starting in verse 9 just once again. And I believe it gives us a blueprint for guarding our hearts. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed, therefore, according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of my mouth, of thy mouth, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as is in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts, and I will have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget your word. Seven principles you can, you can follow to, to help you to effectively Guard your heart against temptation, against lust, against sin, against bad choices. And to make it easy to remember, they all start with C. Preachers have a terrible habit of doing that. I'm going to teach these things. I want to try to make them all start with the same letter. And sometimes that means we stretch it a little bit. But I hope I haven't done that today. The first one is this from Psalm 119.9. Cleanse. Cleanse. It's time... Every once in a while, I don't know about you folks, do you ever, do you ever, I know Nate's been on a binge around here lately to cleanse this place. We collect a lot of stuff. 
We've got, matter of fact, if we clean out a closet, I give it about a week and an hour before it's full again. And uh, Barbara came into the kitchen the other day and she said, where's our notebook? Brian said, Nate's been cleaning. <laughs> we found it, not to worry. But, but every once in a while, I know about your house, we just look around and we go, I went on a binge like this on Saturday in my office. I said, I got too much junk in here. I got stuff in here I haven't used in so long. It's got a layer of dust on it. I can't even read the label on it. I just started throwing stuff in a trash bag. We call it spring cleaning. We clean up the yard that, uh, from the devastation of the winter. We try to get rid of all of the clutter in our yard. It's time for spring cleaning in our mind. That's what, that's what the psalmist says. How can a young man cleanse his way? If we confess or agree that it's wrong, he will forgive us and cleanse us. Do you know that's what the Word of God says? The Word of God says if we sin, if we confess our sin, and confession simply means I agree with God. It's not telling God something he doesn't know. It's agreeing with God. If there's something in my life that the Holy Spirit has convicted me of, that I know is against his word, that I know is not spiritually healthy, that I know that it's, it's going to start to turn me away from God, it's time for a spring cleaning. And he says, if we confess our sins, he will forgive us and he will cleanse us. He will cleanse us not only from our sin, but from our, our thinking, from our wicked imaginations. Let me ask yourself, let me ask you to ask yourself a question. Do you truly want to be perfectly clean or just a little? I don't want to be too bad, but hey, you know, boys will be boys. If we truly want to be clean, to guard our hearts, we have to search our heart for the answer to that question. Do I really want to be clean? Because the word of God says cleansing of my heart begins with confessing what's in there that doesn't belong there. And sometimes we get so accustomed, we get so familiar with things, you know. I've got this little bump on my lip. It's been there for years. I've, I discovered it actually, I'll tell you when I discovered it. When we went to Kenya in 1997, before I went, I went, what is that? What is that thing there? Dennis tells me it's not a problem. It's kind of a normal thing. I forget about it until one day when I'm chomping down on a piece of meat and it gets in the way and I bite it and I go, oh, I forget that's there. Do you know there are things in our lives that we just learn to live with? We just learn to live with. And sometimes we need to examine ourselves and say, have I just learned to live with something I shouldn't be living with? Am I learning to live with thought patterns and practices and, and attitudes that have no business in my mind or my heart as a spiritual person? Do you know what? You know, the way to cleanse that is to say, Lord Jesus, I confess that this ought not to be a part of me. I confess it. He promises to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will come in by his Holy Spirit and by his word, and he will allow us and help us to give our whole 
hearts to Jesus. So, first way to guard your heart, do a regular examination and cleansing by the Word of God. The second one is this, to be consistent. Verse 10, look at what verse 10 says. It says, with my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from my commandments. So my second C is consistency. To be consistent. To be determined not to be a double-minded person. Which is someone who is inconsistent with their speaking and with their actions. Some days I look like Paul the Apostles. And some days I don't. Some days you ever... Well, let me ask you this. Do you ever get up some mornings and say, I don't feel very spiritual today. Anybody? Is it just me? Oh, man, I feel bad now. I know there are times we get up and I don't feel spiritual. I don't feel godly. I don't feel even like I'm a Christian. Aren't you glad that being a Christian had nothing to do with your feelings? It has everything to do with our consistency in walking with him and walking out his life. James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In other words, one day they're one way, and one day they're another way. The Word of God says, you know what God, the, the book of Daniel says about young Daniel? Carried away into captivity. He said he purposed in his heart. He would not defile himself. He purposed in his heart. It doesn't say, oh, I won't eat that when I don't feel like it, or I, I won't do that. He said, I, he purposed in his heart, I will not defile myself. I will not. When Joseph was, was uh, the Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce young Joseph, and, and she said to him, Nobody will know. It's just me and you here. We can get away with this. Nobody will ever know. It'll be wonderful. And Joseph purposed in his heart, I will not dishonor my master. I will not dishonor my God. I will not dishonor myself. He purposed in his heart. He lived. We, we just went through this with our men's group uh, a few weeks ago. Joseph made some decisions in his life, and he was consistent all the way through his life with every decision. When his brothers mistreated him, when they sold him into slavery, when he was a slave in Potiphar's house, when he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, when he was thrown into prison, when he was forgotten by his fellow prisoners, Joseph was consistent in his walk with God. Every day, you and I ought to get up in the morning and say, God, help me to be consistent today with the word. Let my life be guided by the word. Here's the third one. It's found in verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. My third C is commit. To commit ourselves to reading and to memorizing the scriptures and thinking godly thoughts instead of my own negly thoughts. Listen, commit. Do me a favor. I know I harp on this. I jump up on my soapbox every once in a while. I don't have the soapbox here, but I'm up high enough. We need to memorize God's word. I want all of you to look at me. Say these words. Memorize God's word. 
memorize it. Why do I need to memorize it? I got it in a book. I got it on a phone. I got it on a computer. I got Bible verses stuck up all over my refrigerator. I got Bible verses everywhere. I come to church and Pastor Mike just throws out Bible verses after Bible verses. Memorize the Word of God. David said, I have hidden your Word in my heart. How many of you got a Bible stuck in your back pocket like this all the time? You don't. You don't. Some of you, you go get your Bible, you got to look for it because you forgot where you laid it. Am I telling the truth or not? David says, I have hidden your word in my heart that when I begin to think, we call it stinking thinking. Anybody here ever do stinking thinking? Your mind just get, it just goes crazy. And it starts thinking, yeah, that young man all the way back over there, he says, I do stinking thinking. We all do, don't we? David says, I, I am committed. Don't just memorize it. Don't use what God's word says. Learn God's word, his holy word. Hide it in your heart so you won't sin against him. Memorizing scripture is what we use when we are tempted. How many of you remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? You ever read that story? Read that story. You know, Jesus went into the wilderness and the devil came and tempted him for 40 days. He tempted him to make, uh, turn stones into bread. He tempted him to go up to the temple and, and jump off and prove that he was the son of God. He tempted him to bow down and worship him. How did Jesus answer every temptation? What? Say it out loud. With the word of God. Yes. The word says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. The word says that I will have no other gods before me. The word says. Now the world says, hmm, wouldn't that be fun? The world says, you can get rich. The world says, you can have fame. You can be popular. The world says, this, this will really send you far. The answer needs to come from you. But God says, the word says, and I want to urge you today. How many of you signed up for uh, Docimos? Guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be memorizing a lot of scripture. Now, don't go out there and mark your name off. Show up. Somebody just said, where's my pen? i got to unregister for that thing. We're going to be learning the Word of God because if I don't hide it in my heart, I'm defenseless. I'm defenseless. So commit to learning to memorizing the Word of God. Verse 12 says this, Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy snatch. And I had to stretch for this a little bit, but I use the word connect. Contact the Lord. You know, Paul says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Contact the Lord and ask Him to teach you using prayer. The study of God's Word. God is the best teacher. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will teach you everything. He will cause you to understand the things that I have said to you. 
I'm going to teach you an old-fashioned word. We almost don't hear the word anymore. It's one of my favorite words. It's one of the best ways to connect with God. Here's the word. You ready? Ponder. Ponder. How many of you know what ponder means? What is it? It means to do what? Think upon it. Focus on it. Consider it. Don't just go, hmm, I don't really understand what that means, and move on. When you run across a piece of scripture that, that maybe tasks you a little bit, or maybe concerns you a little bit, or maybe you realize, I, I'm not really sure what that means. That's the word you want to ponder on, not the one you want to avoid. When we come to a hard scripture, that's where we need to stand. That's where we need to land. Most of us go, oh, I'm going to go back to John 3.16 because I get that. If you get it, yay, keep it. Then go get something else. I, I tell you, my wife can tell you, my, my automobile is my favorite study place. I go down the road studying in my car. I don't drive down the road with this up like this. And I don't look at it on my phone. Uh, shh. I wrestle with things here and here as I'm going in the solitude of my car. I'll get on the road. I don't do it as much now as I did when gas was a dollar and a quarter a gallon. But I love to get in that quiet place and just, and just say, Lord, speak to me about this. I think about that. I, I roll it over in my... You know what I do? I roll it, these hard spiritual concepts over in my mind like I spin a Rubik's Cube. Now, I have never in all of my life solved a Rubik's Cube. I threw one against a wall one time. That didn't help it. Not at all. But you know what happens when we focus on God's word and we ponder God's word and we think about God's word? Do you know who shows up? The Holy Spirit shows up. And he says, let me give you understanding in this thing. The problem with most of us as unbelievers is we run away from the hard scriptures. We run away from the things that require me to think. Or to research, or to study, or to ponder, to think about deeply. And the Lord says, those of you who used to be in my PTI courses, there was one thing that was a mantra that I used to say over and over and over again. I still say it. Never study the word of God alone. Never study the word of God alone. And what do I mean by that? I mean, when you open the scriptures, say to the Holy Spirit, Jesus said you would be my teacher. Now, I'm going to get into this word here, and it's hard for me because I'm not very smart. I don't really understand it. Holy Spirit, come and help me to understand it. And for those of you who are really smart, say, Holy Spirit, come and help me understand it. Because I'll guarantee you, no matter how smart you are, you cannot plumb the depths of what God wants to show you in His Word. 
And he will reveal truth to you that will excite your spirit and will cause you to draw closer to him. So connect with God. Jesus, the word of God, is the best teacher. He's the best instructor. He's the best example we can follow. Study Jesus. What did he do? How did he act? How did he respond? How did he speak? Because that's exactly how God wants me to live. So connect with him. Number five comes from verses 13 and 14. Let me read them for you. 13 and 14 says this. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Communicate. Number five of our C's. Communicate. Verbally, listen, verbally, with your mouth, speak the word of God. Verbally, with your voice, sing his praises. Communicate with God. Communicate to the heavens. Speak it out. I, I have a practice. Sometimes, uh, sometimes if you came in here on a morning, mid-morning thing, you would hear somebody walking upstairs. And what you would do is you come up here and you would find me walking around this room over and over and over again. Uh, one day this week, I did, I did a mile and a half right here in this room. I'm, I'm sorry, Pastor Brian, I'm probably wearing the carpet out. But what I do when I'm here is that I, out loud, out loud, I speak the word of God. And I sing songs of praise to God. And I pray. I pray for myself. I pray for my family. I pray for you. I pray for people that I know who are lost. I pray for our community. I worship the Lord while I'm here and I do it loud. How many of you know the scripture that says, Faith cometh by hearing? And hearing by what? By the word of God. Let me give you uh, some advice. There is nothing that builds faith so strongly as hearing the word of God come out of your own mouth. Hearing it come out of your own mouth. Don't be silent. You know, folks all the time, they say, well, I pray silently before the Lord. God has ears. He wants to hear your praises. And you need to hear God's word. I used to, I remember when we lived up on the farm in Whitingham, I would get up in the haymow, the top of the barn, especially when I was frustrated. And I would read out loud whole books of the Bible. And I wasn't just reading them to God, I was reading them to me. I needed to hear them. I needed to hear that challenge. I needed to hear that encouragement. I needed to hear that commandment coming out of my own mouth. And I really, uh, this is a personal thing, but I believe that saying God's word is powerful. Speaking God's word gives us a force that cannot be reckoned with. If you've got demons agitating you, if you've got demons tormenting you, if you've got demons trying to oppress you, you start speaking the word of God and watch them scatter. Because they will not, uh, they cannot, they cannot abide. In the presence of the word of God. And I encourage Christians all the time. Say it out loud. Don't be quiet. Stop being silent. And start speaking out loud 
the Word of God. Say out loud your own testimony. This is another thing I encourage people to do. Two things, and let me, let me tell you to do this. I know the hour's getting late, and I'm not nearly done, but I'm going to try. Write out your testimony. Write it out. Take a piece of paper and write out how you came to know Jesus. What has God done for you? How did you become a Christian? What was your life like before you were a Christian? How did you meet Jesus? What is your life like after you met Jesus? And even write out how you might encourage someone to come to know Jesus. Write it out. But do me one more favor. After you write it out, say it out. Speak it out. Say to God, I know what you did for me. I know how you delivered me. I know how you cleanse me from my sin. I know how you protect me from the enemy. Uh, listen, the, 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 the truth of this thing is so powerful. I can't overstate it today. Start speaking the word of God. Start speaking out what God has done. Start speaking out loud. You need to hear it. And if, and if the demons are after you, let me tell you something. If the accuser of the brethren, you know how the accuser of the brethren comes, people will think you're crazy. I know people look at me when I'm going in the car downtown and they're looking in the window and I'm just talking to somebody. And they'll say, well, he's lost it. No, I hadn't lost it. I found it. I found my encouragement. I found my source of strength. I found my testimony. I found my power. I found my foundation. I find it in the word of God. And I want to encourage you, uh, when, when you, when you read the scriptures, you know, you'll see, it's a beautiful picture. We see someone sitting by a nice candlelight by the window and it's snowing outside and they're reading the Bible and they're, they're so quiet and it's so, read it out loud. Read it out loud. Amen. There's somebody that agrees with me. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Listen, I got to hurry. Check. Check. Check, double check, triple check your mind and your heart to ensure that you are feeding on the right stuff. Check your heart. Check. Don't, don't check on the news. I know some of us, you know, we get up in the morning, the first thing we do is see who, who messages on Facebook or who responded to our post last night or who sent us a text or who sent us a TikTok. Or, and we turn on the, the, the television to see the bad news in the world today and we check on Washington and we check on Montpelier and we check on the, the news and we check on the war in Israel and all of those things. The first thing we need to check is what is my mind focused on today? We need to check our, our, our minds. It's not easy, or, or maybe I should say it is easy to dwell on the negative. Anybody in this room got problems? Is it hard to think about them? No, they're always close by, aren't they? Anybody here got failures, weaknesses? They never go far away, do they? We don't have to check on them. They follow us like little brown puppies. But we do have to check our mind. What's my mind focused on? What am I thinking about? What am I focusing on? What are my feelings, my thoughts, all of those things? If we have a clean heart, let's keep it clean. You know, it's easier to keep a house clean than it is to clean it up. I know most of us couldn't testify to that, but it is. It's easier to, <laughs> it's, it's easier to clean a house than it is to keep it clean. 
And the last one is this, verse 16. Let me read verse 16 for you. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget your word. Consistently concentrate on his word. Make time to get alone and quiet. Find a spot. I've already told you where mine is. Left side, front seat of my car. That's my spot. That's the one place I know I can go and be alone. Once in a while, I'll, I'll sneak off and I'll go up to a cafe or a restaurant. My favorite place is up the House of Pizza, and I got my own private booth up there. And I grab a cup of coffee, and I sit there, and I say, well, I'm just going to get some alone time. It's never alone. Somebody will come in, oh, hey, Pastor Mike. And, and, and it's great. I love to see friends. But sometimes I just need to be alone with God so I can concentrate. If we are constantly busy, if we never have any downtime, we will never have a moment to spend with God. And can I warn you of something? If it's easy to get you out of your time to concentrate with God, the devil will send somebody along to go, Hi, let's talk. Sometimes it's easy to say, no, I need to be alone with God so I can concentrate on his word. Uh, find a spot, find some downtown. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Psalm 51 says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, I want to close this morning with a reminder some of you remember a fellow. Matter of fact, he wrote this psalm. This fellow by the name of David. Do you know what was David's hallmark? What David was most known for? Uh, he was known for killing Goliath. Yep. He was known for, for killing Goliath. He was known for, for uh, mighty armies. He was known for... Do you know what David's biggest hallmark was? He was a man after God's heart. God called him that. He says, I love David because he is a man after my own heart. David pursued God. If you want to know how to keep your heart, guard your heart, pursue God. Let me be honest with you. In most of our lives, most of the time, God is pursuing us. And what God is looking for is a heart that pursues Him. That's the heart that is going to be well guarded. That's the heart that's going to have that relationship to God. That's the heart that is hungry. The one that is hungry for God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Give us hearts this morning that are hungry to pursue you. Father, this room is filled with young people today. And this world is filled with things that 
want to be pursued by them. They're pursuing a career. They're pursuing an education. Maybe they're pursuing a husband or a, or a wife or a girlfriend or someone to be in a relationship with. Father, I pray for all of our young people in here today that their hearts would be driven to pursue you. To pursue you. To know you. To walk with you. To be in fellowship with you and to understand that you will give them all of the desires of their heart if they will pursue you. Their choices will be made in a desire to, to walk with you and to know you. Father, there are families here today. and All of us have struggles in our families and our incomes and paying the bills and keeping our job and, and getting along and relating to one another. There's always stress in our marriages and our families. But Father, I believe if we will be a people that will pursue you, that you will help us in many of those struggles that everybody has. May we pursue you. May we guard our hearts by pursuing your word, by memorizing your word, by, by internalizing your word, by digesting your word so that it becomes a part of us. Father, I pray for all of us that we will never feel that we're too old to pursue God. Maybe we've gotten on in years now and I'm just waiting for something. May I spend my golden years, as they call them, pursuing you. That even in my old age, I would know, be known as a man or a woman who is hungry for God. And hungry for his heart. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand together as we close. This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within